It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornsheen. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm thrilled to be with you here today because here in the studio with me, Dr. Steve Ford is here, and we are continuing in this wonderful study that we have been engaged in of studying the 10 biblical warnings we need to stop ignoring. That's right. This is a convicting study, as you'd expect here on Engage in Truth. And Dr. Ford, as we were covering just last week, really getting into some very serious subjects. They all have been. In fact, let me just recap for our listener the top five that we've already covered. And if you've missed these, you can go to calvaryfountain.com, and there you'll find all these broadcasts and more. But the first one was Never Be Lazy. And we are talking about how we can be good stewards in every sphere of our life that we represent Christ. We represent a better kingdom. Secondly, we are told to avoid sexual temptation. And in that one, it is so easy to think that someone else has that problem. It's not something that can affect us at all. And then we realize we're saturated with it in our culture today. And then we acclimate to that and accept it as normal when it is offensive to God. It is sin, and we're entertaining that sin. Thirdly, we're told to repent of of our sins, not just a one-time thing, but to be a people of repentance, ongoing in this desire to walk a godly, holy life before the Lord. We're to stop unkind speech, number four. Oh, how easy that one is as we give in to gossip and all sorts of slander and cursing at people as we drive down the road. We're praising God one moment in church, and then we're cursing somebody even under our breath the next moment. This is unacceptable to the Lord. And fifthly, we covered running from our youthful lusts. And that's not just simply sexual. That was the desire to be friends with the world, to be in the world and of the world, because, oh, we want to belong. We want to be a part of the big group and the the popular group culture and so forth, and not being set apart, because being set apart is hard. Now, today, this one really seems to come along with all that we've already covered. Today's study is about renouncing ungodliness, renouncing ungodliness. So, Dr. Ford, as we were talking before the program, you had a number of scripture verses that really talk about this, but I think to to kick off our study, what we find is that when we have received the Spirit of God, we might no longer be debtors to the flesh. That is really the emphasis here, that we take on a new life, that we dress the part. We're the bride of Christ. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 12 to 17 really highlights this. And the Apostle Paul had already set this up in his really a wonderful study of the human condition in Romans chapter 6 to 7 and how we are in these bodies of death that are constantly in contention to Jesus Christ our Lord and his wonderful work in and through us. So we have got to be mindful of this. This is not something that we've confessed once and done, that that somehow from that point forward, we're just going to be walking in total perfection or covered so much by the blood of Jesus that we can actually entertain sin and be in a posture of being okay with that. Rather, we're not to give a license for sin and walk in holy living. So, Dr. Ford, why don't you kick us off today? You have always been such a blessing in this study thus far, and I know you've probably got a number of scriptures that you want to throw at us today that really, as we ponder and think about these things, to be convicted. That's what we're here to do. Let's be convicted today. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, this is so convicting, and I think it's going to be really good for us to, to sort of tease out as we 
renounce ungodliness. Well, what exactly, what do we mean by godliness? And then what do we mean by ungodliness? You know, uh, Titus in Titus 2, 12 to 13 says, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, of course, is Paul. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Amen. we need to think when we renounce ungodliness, we take something that was once precious to us and we put it to death. Amen. Amen. And, and you know, I, I think that this really takes us back to the fact that we as Christians are prone to wander. We drift right back into the abyss of sin. The image that is so profound in this. I, we've been studying the the epistle of James at Calvary Fellowship Church, and it's a wonderful journey, convicting one. Uh, it's often been alluded to that it's the spiritual two-by-four upside the head. Right. When we have drifted away from our first love and we get so complicit and just apathetic with our walk with the Lord, we just find ourselves becoming less enamored with Him. The zeal seems to be diminished. There is no fire within our bones to be the people after God's heart and, and to be offended by sin. And not to the point where we're suddenly just you know thinking we're haughtier and proud and filled with arrogance and we've got it all figured out and we look down on people and treat them poorly. Rather, it drives us to this posture of being the foot washer because we love our Lord so much and we see a, a world on a conveyor belt heading to hell and we're burdened by that. And we want to do something about that and live the life that God has called us to live because it brings him great joy, knowing that we now live the abundant life because we're freed from the shackles of sinful living. We know that if we go rack up our credit card tomorrow, start living like the world again, it's going to come with stress and pain. If we start giving back into besetting sins and addictions, it could ruin our relationships. There are always consequences to sin. So there's a liberation, a deliverance in the now with an eternal glory that awaits. And, it, and, and if we start to think for a moment that if I'm doing it God's way, it's all going to amass to me some glory in the here and now and start thinking like the Sadducees that we're living it all up for the moment, living my best life now, as opposed to saying, I, I am living a life that doesn't even matter what clothes I wear. It's all to his glory. This is a vessel for his good working. That is quite the paradigm to arrive at. And in James, he really covers, let me read this, Dr. Ford, I'd love for you to interject some thoughts on this, because James, even in chapter four, starting in verse four, he calls us out for being adulterers and adulteresses. We've talked about that one already. Here were believers called brethren, beloved brethren, mind you, a number of adjectives that were added there. So he is talking to believers who were acting like the world. Then he says in James 5, 19 to 20, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And that wandering from truth, the, the word there is just so fitting for us. In fact, we're, we're rather familiar with the term. The straying is planao. It means to wander away. It was frequently used of sheep that would wander away from the covering of the shepherd, from his protection. And we know the good shepherd wants to lead us to still pastures or, or to calm pastures, still waters, the perfect, pristine scenario. And yet how quickly we think the grass is greener on the other side. We're missing out on something. We're under the, the provision of the creator of the universe and how often we wander on a 
daily basis, not not even weekly, monthly, or yearly. We're talking a daily basis that our thoughts have to be held captive because we will start to think like the world again. Okay, Dr. Ford, before the program, I mentioned uh, I I confess to you my sin. So I'm going (laughs) to tell all of our listeners here my sin, okay? I did this. I taught on this very serious subject matter of James chapter 5 on Sunday left church with a skip in my step. And so often, how many people will do this? They're in a great posture of worship. They don't even get out of the parking lot. And already the enemy has tempted them. They they are angry at someone who's just cut them off, leaving the parking lot, whatever, fight with a spouse, a family member, whatever the circumstance might be. For me, I decided to go to a local fast food restaurant because I was on my way to meet with volunteers, my children, this whole group of folks, and I wanted to bless them. I was going to bring them a bunch of chicken nuggets and burgers, right? So uh, healthy food, by the way. Um, So (laughs) here I I have this mindset. I'm going to go pick up all this food and bless them. We're going to have a wonderful afternoon together. So I go to this fast food place. They ask me, as I go through the line, I've already paid, pull over to the side. That, That number one, that's your spot. Go ahead, park there. Okay. So I go over, I park. 21 minutes goes by. Nothing. And I'm like, do I go in and say something? Sure enough, I, I signed, okay, I'm going to get out of the car, go in and check. They had completely forgotten my order. It wasn't even in the list. And by the time I got back up through the line and there, they had completely missed it. So they decided, okay, we'll remake your order, sir. If we've, 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 we've failed in some way, we'll make it right. Okay. So I'm patient. I wait. And they get the food all together. Here it is now. It's going on two o'clock. Nobody's eating in this group, right? So I'm feeling the stress. I got to get to this group. So I grabbed the bags, got bags in hand. I turned to leave the counter and both bags simultaneously rip open and all of my food now all over the floor of this fast food restaurant. And, and a gal who's there thinks that she's going to help me out. So she starts grabbing my food and throwing it all away. It hadn't even left the wrappers. But here now, so I, I'm not only embarrassed, now the food's all being thrown away on top of it. i got to wait in line all over again. My, my patience level had dwindled horribly. The thoughts of my mind, the words that were coming to my mind, the frustration, <laughs> I had to repent immediately afterwards. I couldn't believe that here, a pastor who had just taught on this was immediately as if like some some invisible rogue enemy here that we know we battle against unseen principalities of darkness and it's almost like they simultaneously said oh, let's do this and see how he responds <laughs> let's test everything he just talked about and see how far we can push him it was the the perfect setup to put to practice what i had just preached and i failed i failed in that moment so this is a daily renouncing of the flesh that so easily cripples our thoughts takes us away from our first love and and truth truth be told we find ourselves undisciplined in God's word even if we have read all day long and we've studied and prayed it's because of this flesh that it cripples us and drives us back into the miry clay on a daily basis and we have to understand that we are prone to wander the planao is real and that was a word that was used of planets as well because they were not in the same orbit as the rest of the astronomical bodies. So this planal, this this thing that wasn't on the right course as everything else, and as predictable as everything else, almost appeared as though it was out of orbit. So these planets that are in orbit around the SUN have this terminology as wanderers, and how frequently we as believers appear to be in orbit around the SON, but we wander away. We're supposed to be reflecting his light every moment of every day. And so the moment we think we've got this figured out, we are now prone 
to the very next poking and prodding of the enemy who is so carefully precise in everything he does, it seems, to know our weaknesses. He knows our fallacies and he knows how to break us yeah. and squeeze Amen. out of us the, the flesh yep. that we thought we had just mastered. Yeah. And so if you're listening, and Dr. Ford, you can chime in here, but if you're just now tuning in, you're just cruising down the road and you, you're listening to us talk here on this program, I, I want to, again, reintroduce you to it. This is Engage in Truth. This is a broadcast of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. I'm your your host, John Bornsheen. I'm along with my co-host here, Dr. Steve Ford, fantastic man of, of wisdom and great words and insight. And this is a program of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, so you can check us out at calvaryfountain.com. Dr. Ford, as we continue on this subject now, as we think about these 10 biblical warnings, specifically renouncing ungodliness, what are some other insights for our listeners that you have for us today? Yeah, as you were going through that, it just made me think of my own devotional time, spend time with the Lord in prayer and sing and scripture and everything's going great. And then I won't even get out of the house you know, before, <laughs> before something like that happens. You're just like, I was just, what, what, what just happened? You know, we're in this great place. And that's why I know you and I are both so thankful, as you, as you mentioned earlier, about Romans 7. And through the influence of the Holy Spirit, Paul expresses his own struggles, and that mm-hmm. was Paul with the flesh. And so I think that is, you know, it is our daily battle. And, you know, the other thing that, that came to mind as, as you were talking is there was the, uh, the analogy of adultery, which, of course, we see many times in the Old Testament as God is referring to the nation of Israel mm-hmm. as an adulteress. But it's also, when we turn away, it's adultery, and with that, it's idolatry, because do we just turn away when we turn away from the God or do we turn away to something else? That's right. We're going to worship something. We're created to worship. So we're going to substitute something for God. And those some things are those things that tend to lead us down the path of ungodliness. Amen. That's right. And you know, we could probably spend a number of programs just talking about the instruction Throughout the epistles, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, James, the half-brother of Jesus, even Jude, the half-brother of Jesus and brother of James, they all have wonderful insights and instruction for us to live a holy life. Don't go back to the enticement. Don't be enticed by it. Don't give in to the ways of the world. You know, even Second Timothy seemed to have been written at a time when perhaps as Paul's giving his last instruction, it might have been his last recorded words, and how he was trying to encourage Timothy to strengthen him in his faith, that if, if you're prone to wander or if your your spiritual fire is diminishing, remember your first love. Go back to that. Stir it up. Rekindle the embers of the flame inside of you. Don't, don't be uh, scared to preach the truth and to live the truth. And if there's ever a time in America's history, it seems now is that time. Yeah. I think you make a great point because in our Christian walk and for anybody out there who may be concerned, it's okay sometimes to just not feel it. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you just don't feel like worshiping. You don't feel like reading scripture. You don't feel like doing a lot of things and, and that's okay. That's part of the walk, you know, that we have. And we're in, we're enabled through this walk. We can only walk it, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we do have some contribution in 
self-discipline to choose these courses anyways, to choose to do these things, even when we're not feeling it, but not feeling it. I think everybody goes through sure. and experiences those sorts of things, but, but and we choose to do these things. We choose to worship the Lord. We choose to spend time with God in spite of it. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to, to feel that way every once in a while. We are going to feel that way. And that's part of the walk, but we just need to continue to persevere in godliness through it. And I think on the other end of that, there's just always more intimacy with God. Amen. And I, I, I would suspect I was an athlete. I was never a professional athlete. I, I was a wannabe. Uh, certainly through high school, I had great uh, grandeur in my mind and visions of success in various sporting events. Uh, but I would suspect that most athletes, there are days that they just don't want oh, to uh, right. perform. They don't want to practice. Do I really need to practice today? There's a great story of a violinist out there. He was a prof- the one of the creme de la creme, I, the, the highest of performers in this, the use of this instrument, and asked in an interview of what would happen if you slacked off because he had just said that he spent 10 to 12 hours a day practicing his instrument in order to refine the skill, in order to be the best of the best. I can't imagine spending 10 to 12 hours a day doing anything, anything like yeah. that. I, I'm ashamed to say I don't read the word like that 10 or 12 hours a day. I've heard of folks who do, and praise be to God if that's sincere and uh, honest. I think sometimes we have a pretty high esteem or a high <laughs> perspective of ourselves, but I would say that most of us are probably not given into that kind of studious energy, that we are in the word that many hours or praying as we know we should be like Martin Luther said, he prayed for three hours in the morning just to begin his day, work, work, work from early to late. I have so much to do. I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Uh, so he gave us a whole new paradigm of that. And I believe he probably did do that. Many of us were given into more like 10 or 15 minutes, but here this violinist was asked, what would happen if you slacked off? That's <laughs> an interesting question. He said, well, after the first day, I would know it after the second day, the conductor would know it. After the third day, the orchestra would know it. And after the fourth day, everyone would know it. So here's a violinist who knew that he needed to practice 10 to 12 hours a day. There was no muscle memory involved here. He knew that by the fourth day, it would be so obvious that he hadn't practiced that everybody would hear the sound being different. And I wonder how long does it take for a Christian Acting and being in the world, do we start to smell and think and act like the world again? Is it a few hours? Is it a couple days? You know, there's old uh, cliche, the magnet, you know, seven days without prayer makes one week. I would suspect it's 24 hours without prayer makes one week, right? I mean, it it is amazing. And it was W-E-A-K, by the way. I like how that (laughs) will play on words. But it's true. I think we start to think and act like the world. We'll spend like the world. We'll spend our time, our energies. We'll think lustfully. We'll go right back to the old way almost instantly. I mean, like I said, we barely leave the parking lot of a church and we're already given into such things. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which is a great one here, where he's trying to implore us to walk in our sanctified living, that we should abstain from all things like the lusts and the passions of the Gentiles in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 to 8. And then he adds this, starting in verse 7 to 8, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Meaning you're not trying to do this in your own strength. You have the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. 
But when we're given into it, we're actually taking the temple of God, this Holy Spirit, into these decisions. We're not alone. He's right there with us. So we have to ask again, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus watch? And we would put these kind of filters over all these areas of the uh, the way we absorb with our sensory perceptors as we absorb content and information and what we give out. All of it should have the filter of Jesus Christ before us. I think we'd be doing quite well if we do that. I think, Dr. Ford, I think of Galatians chapter 5. I think you've got that one handy. Can you cut uh, give that one to us here in uh, the short time we've got left? Yeah, in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. You're like, wow. I mean, how many, even of those things, he says that if I have, you know, um, just a, a anger in my heart from the Sermon on the Mount towards my brother. Right. Yes. That I have, in an essence, murdered. That's right. right. That, that this comes down to the root. If I've looked at a woman with lust in my heart, I've committed adultery already. So this is really the call to repentance. That it's not a one and done. It's a daily thing. It's like we, we need to take showers right. because we're in the toxins of this world. That's yeah, a great analogy. Uh, we, we've got to clean it all off. And I think that that's what repentance does for us, the believer, is that we we, we restore the intimacy with the Lord. Right. There, there's no longer the toxin. You imagine what he hears and what he sees yeah. from us on a daily basis and how putrid that is. Uh, rather, our prayers become a sweet aroma to his nostrils yeah. and, and praise that's unhindered by the things of this world where unconfessed sin has clouded it. And James certainly talks to that of in James chapter five, even how their prayers were hindered by sin. Yeah. It's like underneath the hood of these issues was all this underlining sin that had never been addressed, even amongst believers. You're crying out to me for help, but you haven't addressed the root problem here. Yeah. You're wondering why your marriage is failing, but you're given into the besetting sin of pornography and wonder, you're not putting two and two together here ask for repentance over this, ask for strength of the Holy Spirit to overcome and watch how your marriage will be healed. That's right. It seems like a, a, a pretty common denominator that one plus one here equals two. Right. But in our blindness, when sin has corrupted and caused friction with us and God and discord there, it's no wonder we can't see so clearly. Yeah. Some of these things even seem impossible, but how many times do we read in scripture that with God, all things are possible? It makes Amen. me think of the importance, too, as we try to set these things aside and deal with these things. And as you, I think it was a great analogy of just taking a shower and being washed of these things, the importance of and how grateful I am that the Lord gave us, the Lord's Supper gave us the sacrament to celebrate mm. as we seek to be washed and we renewed our relationship with him. And we look back at his sacrifice, we reflect on where we are today, and we long for his return, just an opportunity of washing and renewal and regeneration just another way that we can do that and just continue to restore our intimacy with him. Amen. And of course, we know because we're not alone in this, what we seem to produce naturally in our sin state is repulsive to God. He gives us the strength of the Holy Spirit of Galatians 5, to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Amen. If, if we could produce those things naturally, then we would, by default, love the Lord our God with all our heart, <laughs> mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbors as right. ourselves, That's right? right? So we need the help of the Holy Spirit. He's given Amen. us the greatest helper of all. We're not alone, so we're not beating you up, the listener. We are right there with you. This That's is right. a daily exercise as we renounce the things of ungodliness in our lives, and as we do that and walk the, the, the life that is of the righteous believer before the Lord, not that we're imputing our own righteousness. It's because of Jesus Christ, his own son, who gave his blood. God gave his son, Jesus Christ, for us, covers us with his perfect blood like the door frames in Egypt, and we are delivered. We have life anew in him, and that begins now, not just life eternal, but life now in the newness of that freshness with the Lord and intimacy with him that could not be had as we were basking in sin and immorality. Amen. But now we walk anew with Jesus Christ, our Lord. We want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. We're going to continue in the rest of our study. We're going to have a special guest next week, but then we've got a few more points to cover, obviously, as we go through the 10 biblical warnings we need to stop ignoring. We want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to listen to this broadcast again, go to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are on Sundays at at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. And of course, we have studies all throughout the week and we love to worship God with you. God bless you, my friends. Take care.